Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. Uh, so today is another day in the isolation. Uh, I, I'm starting to see people uh, return to work here and there. Little bits of little nuggets of gold are starting to pop up here and there. And it's very exciting to see that uh, the world is starting to return to a new sense of normalcy. One of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of people have kind of transitioned to online learning, video tutorials. And basically what that's done is it's taken anybody who's in the in our profession and if they have any skills in teaching or if they have any personable peer to peer skills, they can be teaching and they can be educating the next generation as to how to enter our industry. Obviously that's a very difficult role because it's really easy to talk about how wonderful our industry is and all of the, the adventures that we have and all the stories from the trenches but then it comes with this giant disclaimer that our industry is closed right now. So I, there's an entire generation of kids asking me, Hey, tell me all about your industry and how I get into it. And there's just us standing there like, uh, it's awesome, but uh, there's, there's no jobs right now, especially not for you. You're brand new. Even people who are at the, on the A-list or, you know, are digging up, looking under rocks for jobs because there just aren't any right now. So I thought it would be a really good day to reach out to somebody who might have some fresh insight on that. Somebody who kind of just kind of pivoted quickly into the teaching realm and then ended up uh, hanging out a little bit longer than he had thought. So uh, please welcome Rob Denton. He is a lighting designer at R Dentex Design and now interim head of lighting at the Conservatory of Theater Arts at West at Webster University. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rob. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let me, I'm going to put a quick summary of this. You had thought it would be fun to go do like a class or two just to see if you could teach and if if it was something you found interesting. And then the pandemic hit and now you're your, your plan B has pretty much became your primary function. Is that, is that a good way to describe it? It is, yes. I was asked to teach a, one or two classes for a couple of years now at Webster University. And then back in January of 2020, I was asked to be the interim head of lighting and design for a semester. And then, you know, come March, the, the pandemic hit. And so they asked me to stay on for the entire 2020-2021 school year to you know, ease the ease the process of searching for a full-time faculty member in the midst of COVID-19 and the pandemic. So I've luckily had that, it became my full-time job, you know, because of theater lighting design all shut down. So it was a lucky break for me. So in January, you clearly had an idea like, well, I've got some holes in my schedule. I can, I can probably carve out some time to teach. I did. Yeah. And it was, not going to be easy. It was a kind of a favor for the university. It was going to be tricky to fly back and forth to St. Louis from other, you know, off of a tech for show and to teach and back to tech for show. And, but then the entire world just shut down and, and froze so that it, it worked out on my end, but you know, at the same time, you know, the students, you know, also had to freeze on how we taught and learned and everything. So. Wow. What a happy accident there. It sounds like something that you were doing a favor and now the favor is immediately being returned. Absolutely. I, I feel really blessed that I had this lined up at least a semester and then it just, you know, blossomed into a full year and a half now. So 
I feel extremely blessed during this time of COVID. Right on. What was the initial inspiration that led you to think that you should go do some teaching? What really got me into it was the students. They are inspiring to me. I feed off of their energy and like what they bring to it, being such a young generation, walking into the industry with fresh eyes. And, you know, one class a semester is not that hard. I used to like fly in a couple of times, you know, at the end of a tech for a, a weekend and teach them in-person classes. And the rest of that was sort of doing via FaceTime or Skype at that time, you know, because that was all before the days of Zoom or WebEx. Mm. So... Right on. Yeah. So you were just looking for some fresh insight, maybe kind of getting some new fresh ideas from the next generation of people who haven't been uh, beaten over the head and uh, beaten into submission yet. Yeah, it was before they, you know, before they become jaded. They're, they're so excited, like, you know, all of us together, you know, who've been in the industry for a while, we at times together get a jaded feeling about things or, and they don't have that. They're excited. And it's so like, it fed my energy as well. And I could then pass that back to them and give them knowledge. So it was like a very symbiotic relationship happening. So. Right on. That's very cool. Uh, I can only imagine that you can feed off of their enthusiasm and then you have to return that enthusiasm. How difficult is that right now? I mean, at first it was, it was tricky because like, you know, I'm myself looking at like watching, getting emails every day saying, oh, this is postponed, this project's postponed. And then those postponements became cancellations. And it's like all of us were like, is this ever going to end? When are we going to be able to, you know, get back to, to work? And at the same time, I'm getting ready to hop on Zoom for seven hours or six hours teaching straight through and having to encourage these students to learn and, and explore art and design and find their own creative spirit and aesthetic and not like put my own frustrations of what the industry is on that. And it's like, <laughs> you know, which is like, like at the same time, like I'm telling like, oh, we're all gonna be back. We're all gonna be, you know, let's keep pushing forward. Let's think about what theater is. And, you know, at my same time, I'm like, oh my goodness, what's happening to the world right now? But then we fed off each other. Like it was really great. The students, like their excitement about design and discovering and, and learning something new sparked my energy to keep uh getting more excited and, and pushing forward as well so oh man it's people like you and i were, were kind of an open book too it must be tough to fight back your real you have to present the information in the most positive light available correct and like you know in our hearts we want to be like yeah this is effing sucks right now like the industry <laughs> is collapsed the world is on pause i live in new york as so i walk out you know doors and March and April of 2020 and you don't see anybody for blocks around you as you're trying to like walk to the grocery store you know and, and but yet you have to think okay it's only a short pause we're all gonna be back we're all going to be stronger for this and you know and and so you have to like think about what the good of it's going to be and how we can learn from this time that we're isolated and and not get sucked into that you mm -hmm. know holy hell, what the, where, where, where are we going right now? <laughs> so. So then to add on top of all of that, you have to do the bulk of it through WebEx or Zoom or through this tiny little monitor sitting in front of us. Correct. So yeah, when we pivoted to online, you know, abruptly in March last, in March, 2020, you know, that was, no one has been really, you know, I had been teaching a little bit via Skype or FaceTime, uh, but not a full load. And so we're all like trying to redo our syllabi to make these classes work, you know, remote. And the kids are now moving back home. They're like left stuff in the dorm rooms so they couldn't get back into them or, you know, all this was immediately was completely, everybody shifted and, you know, students didn't have fast internet at home or their laptops weren't strong enough to run Zoom and like all these weird things that we didn't even expect. Um, and then how do you teach design via a computer screen when you want to be hands-on and touching a light or seeing what the light feels like on your skin or against a costume or hair or a physical object. So it was a really, it was a tricky switch to do full complete design online at first. It was a weird, weird thing. And, and you know, my entire audience and everybody in the world knows that you can't do it a hundred percent online. We can't, we can't do tech. We can't hang lights in the digital world. Yeah, I'm, you know, not with any sort of impact, but what, what do you do about that? Are you, are you flying back and forth? I am now. So like, you know, so the, you know, 
spring of 2020, I didn't because no one knew what was happening. We all just stopped travel. We all ended everything. So it, for that for a moment, we, with the students being at their homes, we would have them, you know, I would do paper projects with them, but then I finally started like doing little mini light labs with them and let them experiment at home with different types of light bulbs and make them do still life pictures for me of designs with different inspirations behind it with in their house. But uh, now with knowing more about what COVID-19 is and, and safety protocols, I'll be able to start flying a few times a semester from New York to St. Louis to teach class in person. And we were actually still doing productions at the university with no audience, socially distanced, masked, but it allows us to do the practicum side of, of lighting as well as doing um, light labs again and, you know, uh, and demos and practicums for the students. So. What is that like doing a performance to no audience? I mean, it's not horrible uh, because it's just different. You know, we're, everybody's so excited to be in the theater and so excited to be putting, producing something in, you know, in person that you forget that we don't care there's no audience. You know, we have rights to shows that have filming rights so we can put it online for a short amount of time for audience to see, you know, for your fellow classmates to see. But everybody's so excited to just be in a room that you don't care that we're not going to have a real audience in the room. Uh, the trick to that is you don't get the feedback from the audience. The students don't get to see what worked design, why the storytelling, what, what didn't work. So that's the, the, the downside. You don't get the audience feedback. Oh, I miss the smell of a theater. I'm, I'm with you. I would, I would go into a theater just to be in a theater for an hour and a half, just, just to soak it up just to get the, the aura, the sense of it, the vibe. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that, that first student focus that they were focusing lights, it was like, like watching them discover and learn how to do it. And like, and just being a feeling, the smelling the, like the rubber and the, the, the starting to burn on the lights again, the dust starting to burn off of them. They've been empty, you know, for oh, half a year man. now. It was like, Oh, it was like refreshing to like still this come together. Me and my entire audience can we all just sm we all collectively smelled that same smell right now the the smell of the the dust burning off the leekos. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know that smell well. So, what are some of the questions that you're getting these days? I can only imagine that there's a lot of people wondering, like, well, you know, do I should I look for an internship? Do I? How do I? How do they move forward? I mean, we're all learning more and more now, but a few months ago, you know, when the kids were starting to like, think about what summer of 2021 is going to be, it was a question like, you know, who, who has internships? Where can I apply? What, what summer work is there? What summer stocks? And, and the answer to that is we don't know. We don't know what summer of 2021 will be like. And I think that answer is still sort of a little bit the same way. We'll all wait and see what the, where COVID is in the next month or two to, see if theaters are really going to have that season. Um, and, and I would say it's starting to feel more and more positive every week that like, oh, maybe there's going to be some small summer festivals happening, some, you know, or outdoor stuff happening. And so now it's, you know, we, the normal summer stock theater companies and opera companies are, are now starting to look at hiring interns again. And so students are, are, are applying for them and interviewing. So you know, it's a harder pool to because you have the people from last year who didn't go to the internships as well as the ones from this year. So it's a much thicker pool of people to weed through to get those jobs is, is the downside. But the positive a, is it's happening. Yeah, that's a tough reality to put a positive spin on. Like now, fresh out of college, you have double the competition for a quarter of the jobs for the internships. Correct. And the you know nobody's really making any any amounts of money that are sizable at the moment. So you got to really find some available positive light to put on that one. I, I, you do. I think most of the students are so hungry to get out there and be in a theater that they're not being like daunted by the fact that it's a it's a hard uphill battle right now to get those jobs. Like they're excited for the opportunity to even apply and interview and go through those steps of even trying to get the job. So, which is helpful. One of the positives that I find pretty clear is the fact that they're at least able to talk to somebody who is well-established in the industry by having you around. 
it's not like you're a, a student who just turned around and became a teacher. You're actually a, a, an established lighting designer. Yeah, no, I, I hope I bring a lot to them on that front. I mean, we just did our senior showcase last week, you know, it's the middle of March here. And because of the time of COVID, we were able to get people from all over the country and world to, to come to this virtual showcase and talk to the students and meet with them. And something that would never happen any other time because everybody's too busy in, in production. And so since everybody's both people on pause, they're able to find time and, and to meet with people from who you never get a chance to meet with because you're not in the right time zone, right city. And this world of Zoom and WebEx has opened us up to that possibility of talking to so many people as well. And, and connecting the students with those people has been a, a real joy to, and like I've said on some of the kids, um, talks with them, with these professionals and they're both sides are so excited and eager to talk to each other. So. So I share that with you. I, for the first time I'm brave enough and I'm willing to encourage people to just reach out to anybody because there are a plus list designers just hanging around at their house right now. They, they, you know, they, they've spent the, the day with their kids, they finished dinner and they've, they've got a couple hours to sit down and respond to emails and give advice. It's, it's a new world. These are people that I would have normally like, eh, you're not really at a place where you, you can't reach out to a, to Ken Billington right now, he's busy. You can't reach out to Jules Fisher. He's, he's, he's kind of busy right now, but now for the first time, I'm even guys like that. They're, you know, they're, Hey, I'll, I'll sit down and chat for 30 minutes. It's exciting. It's so, I mean, so exciting. This, my, my students yesterday actually just had a afternoon with Ken Billington on zoom. And so they were actually, you know, chat with him to all together for the afternoon. It was, you know, and Ken was gracious to spend the time to do it. And which is amazing. And like that type of, attitude from the you know, the A-list designers is is what we need right now. I think that also helps the daunting aspect of the what jobs are going to be available for these graduates. It makes it feel less less scary because they have these connections now with these people. It may, it really makes those people feel more human. You know, when you see their names up in lights and on the, the all the playbills and everything you're like, well, someday maybe I'll get to hang out or meet that person. But then when they're just sitting on the screen and you can interact and you can just raise your hand on your screen and just say, Hey, Ken, I have a question. That must be so humanizing. Like, oh my God, that I could do this. Exactly. That's what they all have come back with. Like, they're just like a normal person. I'm like, yes, they are a normal person, <laughs> just like you and I. <laughs> yes, they also. They're not scary. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It, it's really important to bring that level of real world experience into the academic setting. Because there's, there's a lot of times where, you know, even a lot of my teachers coming up through theater were they had just finished the class the year before me and then they turned around and started teaching it back to me. And I'm like, you're just reading the textbook. That's, you're not innovating anything. That's what I, that's what I have a fear that we would fall back into. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a valid fear to have is that we we're just going to regurgitate what we have, we have been taught and, and, and force that upon the students. And I think it's important to say that the, each student has their own aesthetic design. They each have their own background that, that they were raised in. And so with all that information that who they are as a person, that influences their design. And we have to, as teachers, find a way to pull that out of them and let, let them express themselves. And But yet like still guiding them with the technical ability of these are the tools and the toolbox you can use to showcase your inner design and your inner aesthetic and how that links to a song or a show or whatever the story is. You and I are probably just old enough to remember life without so much technology. We had to read manuals and stuff. We didn't go straight to YouTube for all the tutorials. Are they quicker to learn through the digital process and just kind of find things online? Are they, is that, I'm saying having that immediate access to all that information without having to ask somebody, is that putting them ahead of the game? It puts them ahead of the game technology-wise, the because you know, they can find anything. They can. They're also savvy with computers. They're savvy with networking now. That that they've grown up with that. Um, mm -hmm. But what what the trick of it is though is like you, with all this technology leads unlimited possibilities. And so with that unlimited possibilities that the technology is given makes it feel overwhelming at times. That 
there's so many choices. There's so many things you can do, you know, from, you know, it's an LED light. Now you have so many different colors you can choose from that before you had to go pull the gel out and try something and then change the gel again. And so with that, they're having to now learn like, okay, with all these possibilities, how do I really choose the right approach to design something? And so it's a, it's a back and forth, you know, yes, you can go and find the answer online from some 10 year old on YouTube on how to program a console, but yet is that, is what that, is that going to help you out in the actual storytelling that we're trying to do? Mm-hmm. I, I fear that, uh, I fear that that might get lost eventually. I feel like there will be these kids that are coming up with the ability to do so many things. They're just going to put out these videos, like look at all these cool things I can do. And the next thing you know, they're, somebody's going to, with some money is going to be like, yeah, that's cool. Let's put that up there. And it's just going to become this cacophony of imagery that doesn't really match, but, but it's cool. And next thing you know, it's a number one hit. Yeah. I, you know, wh- whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but uh, I, I feel like that, that uh, it's a very real concern these days. I think it happens sometimes. I think, you know, we're also used to, I, I say all the time, like we're used to being assaulted by our, our screens, our devices, that there's so much light coming to us all the time that we, if we don't have that, we feel like we're not getting the money paid for on, our, on something. <laughs> and it's just how nature is like we're just so used to this light always hitting our eyes now i mean people yeah. walk on the street look at their phones and not up at the the sky or the buildings or the trees and like look at how the shadows go across the the fire escapes or the brick brick facade um and so with that you know i think we we do sometimes toss up that really cool let's you know everything you can do just up there like well that's not really great i mean it's a lot of stuff happening but it's not a beautiful picture or a beautiful design by any means mm-hmm. so hopefully we'll won't always pivot to that extreme we'll we'll stay true to what what is good art as well yeah so this is a little bit of a tangent but i am noticing this assault that you're mentioning we have monitors everywhere you and i were just like i'm just old enough to remember that you know, barber shops didn't have a television in them or you could go to a pub and there were no screens in there or even a restaurant. You can't even go to a restaurant now that aren't full of screens doing something. I was trying to have uh, lunch with my son the other day and he, he couldn't physically turn his head away from the screen and it was nothing. It was just advertisements of the same Subway sandwich that he was already eating. Like, dude, just turn your head away from the screen, you know. And what he was doing was he was just, he was monitoring the pattern. He's like, oh, sweet onion teriyaki. Next thing is going to be the the ham sandwich. And he was just watching for the pattern. Like, dude, you got the pattern. Now, you know, and it was, I had to compete for his attention because of the one monitor and it's assaulting, I'm like, dude, stop it. It's it's so true, and then that and that is projection design sometimes in theater or LED walls in theater because it's this massive multimedia surface, and it can easily take over the story from the performer. And so our, our you know, and that happens with like LED lighting and all the movements that can happen, the color changes, it all that big, you know, show can can completely upstage the performer or the story that's being told. It's like, you know, all of us can be your 10 year old kid, you know, watching <laughs> the subway commercial <laughs> and like, Oh wait, there's a, this person singing some song down there. Oh, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And you're, With you're more aware of that though, than most of yeah. so you're doing projections and lighting. So you know that, you know, with the power of that projection, you have to remember like, Oh yeah. Lighting is also, we also have to light the money here. Yep, exactly, exactly. I was like, you know, with, with this like assault of our technology nowadays is it's changed the way we think about color as well because like all of our screens are that colder tint to them. You know, that's why the, they've come up with those nighttime modes that warm up mm-hmm. the screen's colors for us. And so even like what we think of as no color now feels warm on stage because, you know, back 20 years ago, People use you know RO2 all the time, or and that was sort of like the the no color world, and 
now that feels so orange. Um, it's like this, like this technology has completely changed, you know, who we are. I think it's only going to happen more now that we've spent a year on Zoom or WebEx and, and it's just be interesting where, where we come from this. I wonder if it's worthy of doing a, uh, some research into seeing if this, this amount of Zoom time is actually having an effect on our rods and cones in our eyes. I wonder if my children have different rods and cones than you and I do. I know. I, I agree. Like, like what's, what's happened with this year? What's happened to all of us because of this? I can only imagine that our, our sight is becoming more focused, more, you know, more tunnel vision. I, that has to be the case because we're not, even in concerts now, you're seeing more and more people staring at their phones in a concert to watch their own concert. It's exactly. I mean, or, or they go to the jumbo Tron instead of, you know, the iMag, instead of looking at the, the little person down. It's like, well, I mean, I could do that at home. Like you have better sound here, sure, but I could see the same person anywhere else. Um, or like a sports game, the same thing. We all look up at the, the TVs on the billboards and whatnot and not on the down on the players. So I think it's everywhere. Yeah. The, the screens used to just be used for their utility. They used to be like, okay, now let's go to the, the instant replay and let's just watch it from there. But now we're basically people are going to sporting events to watch it on the jumbotron. And then they're looking down to the plays when there's nothing interesting on the jumbotron, it's it, we've completely switched. We flipped it. Exactly. It's a it's a it's a weird world we're in, and, and I'm hopeful that we don't keep going on that route in the entertainment industry. That we we acknowledge that, and during this time, we go, okay, what is what does that mean? How do we not go down that down that realm? So mm-hmm. that we focus on the people. So while you are teaching. Are you still kind of dabbling in in anything else? Are you still do you still have your feelers out? Are you look are you looking under rocks for anything else that's outside of the the teaching realm? Yeah, so I mean, I have some stuff that's now on the books for twenty twenty one. So we'll see what the fall brings if that stays true. And I have a uh, a few things, you know, some concerts like uh, theatrical concerts that have been recorded that you know i'll light and they'll be you know recorded for presentation later by the theater companies so there's still like some some stuff happening but nothing is you know as exact you know super as a real show uh, i do lighting design at the muni here in st louis and so that we're scheduled to still to do a season a summer season and so we're in prep for that as well as wrapping up the renovation that whenever was completed because of COVID hitting and and so i'm in a lot of meetings with that to get that underway so We'll see if that stays true, if it's still going to happen or not. You know, I think we're all feeling hopeful since it's a late July, you know, July, August, September time, time frame outdoors. But Cool. That is one of the first projects that I've heard of that, uh, you know, there's like a 90% chance of that one. A lot of the projects that I've heard of recently, there's like a 10% chance of that happening. And, I, and you know, we still had to go through all the all the legwork and, and, you know, and, and play the game when people would reach out for projects and be like, well, yeah, there's, there's a possibility. It's like a 10% possibility that's going to happen, but you know, now for the first time, I'm actually feeling fairly positive. The, these late, late summer events are going to happen. Correct. I mean, I think this, the outdoor weather really helps us out. The, the whole indoor fall theater entertainment industry, I'm a little, more skeptical on what that means if audiences will feel comfortable coming back inside for a full house if it's even if it's you know deemed safe i think it's just we've all been so you know insulated for so long and what is that going to feel like to be indoors with people again if we're if we're deemed safe to be indoors with people so who knows it's tricky the the first green light i'm i'm having drinks and i'm hugging all the weird strangers and stuff and i'm going i'm a huggy guy i like hugging i like I'm a touchy sort of guy. So, you know, I'm going to be the first one to be like, dude, stop touching me. I'm like, oh, I'll do my best. I, I promise. You know, I'll ask consent, of, you know, but I'm still going to hug people. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like we've all missed it for so long. It's like we need it. We, we hunger for it. <laughs> yeah. I just want to sit in a room next to strangers again. That's, you know, that's something that we've become so accustomed to. I just want to sit in a dark room with a bunch of strangers. I, I don't know why it's, my monkey brain wants to do that. Well, it's like, 
we miss that human interaction of like people experience things together in one space. And we all want that so much, like that communal aspect of our industry. Like that's how we were all raised and have lived for so long. Mm-hmm. That's pro- that's how you put the positive light to the next, to the <laughs> students. You, you remind them of that over and over and over again. That that's, that's never going away. It's irreplaceable. Correct. It's so many were worried. So many students have been worried about like, is, is Zoom going to take over theater industry or entertainment? Is is TV just going to completely com- get rid of all live events? I'm like, no. We still want to be in a room with, you know, a thousand or fifty thousand people experiencing the same thing. Like we hunger and get, we get so much energy off of that, and that's we're going to want that again. And so it mm-hmm. will always be there. It'll never go away. Like movies never got rid of it. TV hasn't gotten rid of it yet. It's not going to happen. Mm-mm. It might change of how we how we produce those things but it's not going to go away we're still going to be in a room with people experiencing it i think that's our end goal here is to take what we've learned during the pandemic and apply it to live shows the xr the vr the zoom stuff the the way we interact we need to take the technology that we've uh, developed now and apply them to live shows later exactly i mean i think that's the key to it is like taking all this knowledge and and using it for the good for live performances like that will revolutionize industry and it's exciting to be on the forefront of that all of us in the career in the industry right now and with these students coming up into it is like is to use all that and, and develop that new frontier so how are you teaching the the kids to promote themselves you and i used to have you know a bevy of business cards and uh, we'd have to go to the pubs and meet up with people afterwards and Clearly, none of those tools are available to them anymore. Is it? Is it all just social networking now? Social networking is huge. I mean, Instagram is is the new frontier. Not the new frontier. It is the current frontier of yeah. uh, of marketing. Um, I mean, then I would say on top of that is is their portfolio being their website. You know, the Instagram linking back to the website. So things are so harmonious together. Mm-hmm. And then it's reaching out to people. It's the cold, cold email asking for nowadays asking for a zoom meeting to, to, to talk about the industry or talk about whatever. I think eventually it will be still the online portfolio, Instagram, social media world, but then with an in-person coffee or drop by the theater while they're in tech and then on dinner break, go and get dinner together. But for now, it's definitely, it's all, it's Zoom and WebEx. Like that is what's getting us, you know, through mm-hmm. with the networking. So are you old enough to have a, a physical portfolio? I don't anymore. I did. Yes. You did. So, yeah. And when I could get rid of that, it was a I mean, a nice thing to get rid of. So <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, I, I saved a couple things from it and then the re- the whole binder had to go away. It was too much. The sentimental value did not make it worth it anymore. Oh, it's not at all. I mean, like when I applied to grad school back in 2012, 13, 11, somewhere in that range, it's been too long ago to even know what the date, the date range is. But like I was meeting up with, um, so I went to the University of Maryland. So I met up with Brian McDevitt when he was in tech for Booker Mormon. And I didn't feel like bringing, you know, I was like on another show off Broadway at the time at second stage assisting and I didn't want to carry my portfolio with me. So I just put a bunch of pictures on my iPad and I just went and like met with Brian who was, you know, who, at some bar or whatever. And like at dinner break, we just like went through my portfolio. He was like, I've never done one on digital before. And I was like, I just didn't want to have to carry around a portfolio around New York city for the day. And he was like, I love the backlit screen. I like the ability like to see it more vibrant. And so it's kind of like that happy accident of like, oh, we can do this all digitally back you know 10 years ago now and now it's completely that so you're a pioneer thank you so much for uh for helping the entire uh next generation to leave those behind uh, the more designers we can get to embrace the the ipad the website or the instagram portfolio the better you know if i can just drop off a usb stick and walk away i'm down it's them, you know uh, it, it, my website Oh, and then mailing down or mailing a hard copy of a portfolio back in those days. Like never again, are we going to do that? It's all digital. If you had to, if you had to go to three or four different 
colleges to apply, you would have to carry that thing around with you or ship it ahead of yourself and then put your entire, entire resume, your entire legacy in this folder and send it off. That's tough. It's hor- oh, it's hard to- It was horrible and stressful that it's going to make it there. And, you know, was it going to be damaged or bent or all those things went through your mind and now it's, all that's gone. That, sh- that, that stress is gone. Yeah. Now you just have to make sure there's no comic sans or anything in any, in any of your promo material. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> find the newest, best font you can find that's, you know, the best represents you. That's so much easier. Uh, the two million different fonts that there are nowadays. Oh <laughs> the, my God. The whole week right there. <laughs> that's one of my new goals. I want to create a new font. I don't know how to do it yet, but I would love to be known for a font. It would not be comic sans. It would be something much cooler. <laughs> That's cool. That's the the flying back and forth must be tough though. How's the? Are you uh, are you getting tested? Are you getting stuff shoved up your nose for the flights and all that? I do. I mean, so back when I was flying in the fall, it was you know it was so August was my first time on a plane since April. So like I had an apartment in St. Louis and for the for fall or spring of twenty. 20 and so i left it all my stuff here and all my go use my stuff in st louis and went back to new york and a few months a few weeks later, i was like well we're not going to be going back to school so i'd like fly back in april to like, move out of an apartment and it's so, like flying that time was like eight people on the flight you know including the flight crew uh, but now it's you know in, in august it was i fly i get tested before i leave and i get tested before i you know before i leave the school and go back to new york and then a week after being back in new york i get tested again you know, and so it's the, the friendly skies along with the friendly skies. Um, but it's the necessity of like having to be able to teach in person. And I'm happy to have things shut up my nose and be swabbed and tested. Thankfully, because of New York, I was able to get vaccinated, you know, some back in the top of the year or so because of being a teacher. And so that's, I still get tested, but at least I don't have less, a little less fear of uh, contracting anything on the travels. Right on. Uh, I'm really glad to hear the teachers are uh, that we've made it to teachers. That that makes me feel like maybe the system is starting to function again. It it does. Like like it makes you like this light into the tunnel now when you see more and more people getting tested. You know, not tested, vaccinated, and Mm -hmm. teachers in in all realms are getting are getting vaccinated. Being with students, and so it's I can see it coming. I can feel it. You know. Yeah. Last I checked, we needed something like above 60% vaccinated to get back to shows. And I think we're kissing 20, 25%. So, so we're getting there. My, my yeah, numbers I mean, might I be wrong, think... but at the day of recording, I think that's the last thing I saw. If no, anybody's yeah, not checking it's, me, it's... Uh, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> it's moving fast. Like it's, it's really promising, like seeing you know, 2.5 to 3 million doses a day going into arms. It's just like, all right, we're, we're going to do this. Like this is a, it's moving faster and faster every day. So high hopes and we'll keep pushing forward. Cool. As soon as we're all back to work, I would imagine that teaching will become the, the plan B again. It won't be your, your primary income. That is true. So I mean, I think I will always now like have a little bit of teaching in me, you know, whether it be with, an independent study with a student or maybe one class a year or semester or something like that, but it won't be the full time anymore. Cause it's, it, it's not possible really to be a full-time designer and be, and do a full load or at least head a, head a program at the same time. Um, but that said, like it's, it's definitely part of me now. Like I enjoy, I really enjoy the, the feeding off the students and their energy and their whole different mindset of design that they bring with them and their generation. And that is like super exciting to see where that's going to go and what they bring. Yeah, I would have to check. Uh, I haven't checked in on Brian McDevitt in a while, but I would imagine he still gets to do two or three shows a year. I think even at the Pinnacle, I think he was doing six or seven. Uh, and that uh, you had to be spread really thin to do that. Correct. Yeah. So like Brian still does two or see, you know, two in the spring and two in the fall, usually one, you know, sometimes one, just depending on what the show is and where it fits in the schedule. But yeah, he, he used to be doing, you know, five, you know, spring and five in the fall and so forth. And it's, it's hard to do and keep a, and teach. Uh, but like, it's worth the, the trade-off is good. Like it's not a bad trade-off when you get to be with the students. So 
That's a tough one for me. I sometimes I I really thrive under those conditions when you just you know pumping stuff out really quickly. Sometimes some of my best work comes in that one, but you can only do it for so long, you know, until eventually you're just like, no, I need to, I just need to go on a walk or something. And I need to, I need some, I need to freshen my tanks. How about, how about you? When do you, what, what's your most creative environment? Oh goodness. I mean, for me, it's really, I thrive off of the pressure of things and, and, I think that brings, you know, a lot of creativity in my mind, but I also prep really heavily. Like I don't walk into a show that I have not prepped extensively on to make sure that I'm covered and my ideas are solid of what I'm trying to do and talking with the director and the rest of the team. And so even though the process might be condensed or short or um, I'm back to back, I've spent the past months ahead of time really cracking down on like what the show and the essence we're trying to achieve with the story. So it's, it's both, I guess, for me. But, I mean, after like doing five or six shows back to back with no break, just flying one to the to next city. After I get home, after that, like, it's it's a few days of me just crashing and sleeping or binging TV or whatever it is, you know, just to uh, clear my head and let my body rest. Oh man, I remember thinking back in March that uh, like, this is it. This is the crash I need. I'm going to get it. I'm going to just chill for like a month and then I'm going to go back to work. I did not realize we were going to be crashing for a year. I need that crash too. I didn't, I didn't ask for a year. <laughs> I know. Like I was like, you know, it hit, I was like, Oh, I'm going to like take this time and enjoy the city. Like I'd never been in New York over the summer and I've always been out of town. So like I got to enjoy New York city over the summer and enjoy central park and the uh, Hudson river bike path. And these things I never had a, like a, ever thought I'd be able to enjoy because I'm always traveling for work. And so I kind of like took this year as like, things are paused, things are, you know, different, but I'm gonna appreciate the small things and like take the break. And, and I did, I was doing like self-study stuff, like fresh up my vector work skills, my 3d rendering skills and whatnot throughout the time as, just to keep myself, you know, engaged in, in the creative path and playing off design virtually and stuff. So. Cool. So not only teaching, you were also uh, re-studenting. You were also uh, elevating your own skill sets. I did. I, I had to, you know, because you take a break from learning things for, you know, learning technology over a year or two and it's, it catches up with you. And so I spent a lot of, you know, days of just reteaching myself skills. And so then I could then pass it on too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm nervous about the next time I get a phone call to go out and sit in front of a console. Cause it's been, you know, other than I did, I've done one show since March sitting at that console was everything in the world to me. But now even that was back in September. And the next time I sit in front of a console, it's going to be, I, I'd like to think it's going to be like riding a bike. Once we learn how to cycle, we, we just keep doing it. I'd like to think. Yeah. I mean, we might get a little rusty at first and do that little hunt and peck with the keys, you know, the first, first hour or two, but it all comes back. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me. Don't look over here. Please don't watch me hunting and pecking. I need to get that dexterity back. I was joking with the uh, social design on, on Broadway and we're just like chatting, catching up a few weeks ago. And I was like, I don't know if I remember channel numbers anymore. I'm lighting a show. I was like, it's been so long that the flex that muscle remembering all these numbers in my head. And will that, will that still be there? And she was like, yeah, you got that. And I'm like, I hope so. And she, I was like, you got it also. We're like trying to like encourage each other. Like we can still do this. We're not obsolete. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. So once this is all over and we go back and you, you've got that teaching bone in you, would you prefer to be a, like a one-on-one -on -one mentor or would you go back to the, the classroom setting? Oh, that is tricky. I, I thrive off of a small class setting because I think the students actually learn a lot from each other and critiquing each other's work and seeing what they come up, the other student comes up with, you... And like, I like to say, like, I don't want to give them the answers to solve the problem, I want them to discover it. And so in a small group setting of five or six students, they were able to like problem solve that together and, and come up with different ideas and then talk them out to find the right solution of, of a problem or design. 
And so it's definitely a small, small class, I think, are the, are the way to go when it comes to education. Okay. So much better than being one-on-one. So a small class, not uh, not 40, not one, but, you know, five to 10? Five to 10 is like, I think, the sweet number for design teaching in any in any form because you you get one-on-one attention, but then you they also are going to get, you know, that work with their other colleagues. It's like yeah. in the real world. Yeah, I share that ideal. It's one of the things that makes me really upset about the uh, the American education system, seeing 40 and 50 kids in a class to one teacher. It, it doesn't, doesn't work. It, it, I don't, I can, I can barely manage my own two kids to, to try and be a teacher trying to manage 30. That's, that's too much. Well, I mean, it leads to questions like, how are they even grading you? Do they, they don't even know who you are. How do they have the time to grade your work or critique your work? It's just not possible the amount in the, in the hours in the day. So you're not getting a good education. You're, it's not saying it's bad. It's just not what it could be, what it should be for your own yeah. growth. Yeah, I feel like that's come from a, a general, I don't want to say disdain, but lack of respect for the, the teacher profession in the last few last decades, maybe I'll say, I'll say decades. I feel like the, the respect for teachers has gone down where it should have, it should be going up. And it's, I don't know if it's strictly the United States, but it's, you know, I, I I'm now that I'm up here in Canada, I'm seeing that teacher is a very respectable pro- profession up here. I think that's a, I think that's a true statement about the U S. So I think, you know, for me being an outsider, kind of walking into the profession a little bit in the past, you know, over the year and a half now, it's such an interesting dynamic of student-teacher relationships or uh, parent-to-teacher relationships or even like teacher-to-the-school relationship. It's just everything is just interesting about it, and it takes a lot to figure out and understand. And I feel like in society, like we take teachers for granted now that they're just going to be there and it's like, well, they are, but you. It's you're, you have to put the work in as well. It's not just like you're going to be handed all this information. You got to strive to also learn it and and respect the respect the teachers and, and listen to them. You know, it's interesting. So we are almost out of time, but here's here's one last question. I think this is going to be fairly interesting. Obviously, you're teaching kids that you're not really dealing with the parents too much. But if the parents were to reach out to you and say, "What are you teaching my kids? You want them to be." theater folk what are you what right do you have to teach my kids to get into theater how, how would you um, respond to that sort of a question i mean i would go back and talk to him about where the possibility that, that, that career can go like what are the options that it can happen where where you know what's it do for society what's it do for the child's creative path like i would not say they're gonna make a million dollars a year like you know, one per- someone's going to in this industry, but it the chances of it being that child, that student is like, it's it's a slim margin. Um, but fortunately for me, like most of, like not most, all of my students are conservatory students. And so their parents have supported this, this love of theater with these students for the whole time. And so they actually are, they want the kids to, succeed and what that succeeding means just being really good theater artists and being creators like or or becoming that million dollar you know broadway designer who's doing you know getting royalties from the next big hit Um, they're they're fine either way so like i'm lucky on that but i would definitely go down the path of saying like what is your child happy if they are then let's let's focus on that right now let's not focus on what you think the child should be doing Good one. Yeah. Very few of us get into this for the money. We're definitely in this for the, whatever happiness we can milk out of this industry. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's not an easy job for anything in the entertainment industry. It's not, you know, not easy at all. Look at at (laughs) casting, look at the actors. Their audition process is, is in my mind, horrific. I would never want to go through that process and they're strong people for doing it. So. That's grueling. I, I, I hope that the world is starting to realize that even as whatever they may think of the entertainment industry, that we are resilient. If, if nothing else, like we come together, we are resilient. We, we help out one another. We're not in this because we're weak. That's for sure. 
Exactly. I mean, no, everybody here is, is strive to be the best they can be in the industry and be a good citizen in the industry too. It kind of goes down to the early talking about the, you know, reaching out to these professionals. I mean, most of them are, are, are proud to be part of this community and they want to, you know, we all want to be good citizens in this community and not, you know, be the asshole, the, the odd man out. <laughs> so if we are going to be the asshole, we want to be paid well for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and know at some point, like, it's going to bite you in the ass and you're not going to get a job because of it. Like people don't want to work with you. And, and I think that's something that, like, it's commendable to say, like, and I would say this younger generation, what's exciting about that is they don't put up with that. They do not, they do not want to be treated badly by people and they want, they want equity and treatment. And I am so happy that they're here to, to help force that change to happen. So to force out anybody who is the, the asshole. Oh man. I want to talk about that. So <laughs> I am getting pretty tired of people calling the, the, the millennials weak or lazy or s- simple-minded. Man, the, the ones that I have been dealt, dealt with, they are so much more creative than I would have ever imagined. They are resilient. They have, they've, they're just making things look easier than the generations before us. No, they don't have to bust their knuckles anymore. They're too freaking smart for that, and they don't put up with that shit. They're like, no, there is a better way to do it. And I'm going to show you. And a lot of people from the generation before us, they don't get it. They're like, look at these lazy people. You know, they're, ah, man, they're wrong. They're just wrong. There are so many millennials out there that have bigger ideas and better ways of achieving those bigger goals. Other people just can't grasp it. I'm, I'm watching some, some really big ideas come to fruition and we are all benefiting Oh, it's so true. I mean, like, if you take both millennials and the Gen Z, like, they are, they're a powerhouse. They have ideas that we've never thought of and, and resources in their, in their mentality to, to see that through. And they are going to make sure that those changes happen, whether it be changes in design or changes in social aspect of theater and entertainment. Like, they are an amazing generation. And we've only just seen the beginning of it. And it's like, that's something like out of this pandemic and the rise of millennial generation and, and, and then the Gen Z, like it is some changes are happening and it is a beautiful thing to see like just where entertainment will go because of it. So it's exciting. Yeah. Before we go down that whole rabbit hole, we're going to have to cut this one off. We'll, we'll yeah. have to set up a second one so we can talk about all that because there's so much more to talk about in that rabbit hole. So <laughs> Thank you so much for making the time, Rob. This has been really good. I I look forward to doing this again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 